Blog Talk Radio. Live did a 
the seventh annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil right here in Las Vegas at the Dr. King Pavilion and Statue in North Las Vegas. And we had a nice crowd, and it was a community-powered event, and it was community-centered. Big shout-out to Sister Isis, uh, Sister Jess Blow for bringing about Sister Nas, who put it down, uh, to DJ G of Special Blend Entertainment for providing the sound system and mixing up the music and playing the King's speeches before and after the event, uh, to A.J. Springer for sharing his thoughts on Dr. King, the movement, and the modern movement that we have with uh, police shooting and killing unarmed black men. As a matter of fact, there was an unarmed black man shot in New Jersey just this week. He even had his hands up, but some people say he deserved to be shot because he got out of the car when the police officer told him to be still. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. I hope hope we'll get to that. But we did the candlelight vigil, and at candlelight vigil, we noticed there were chunks missing from the base of the platform the Dr. King statue stands on. And there is a portion of the event where we give the mic, it's like an open mic, we give it to the people because it's a people-centered event. And one of the folks came to the microphone in the person of Mr. Franklin G. Verley from uh, Power 88 KCEP, 88.1 on your FM dial here in Las Vegas. And he had a show called Like It Is Ready on. He came out to our event, and I was really happy to see him there. And he noticed the disrepair of the statue, and he asked if he could get the microphone. Of course, the microphone is open to all, and he let it be known about the condition of the statue. And from there, it took off. So we're going to talk about that a little later, which leads into another section called, I wanted to put power of the people, because that was a moment when the power of the people was exercised and results have been promised since then. And then since then, it's been on a couple of radio shows as well as people calling and emailing their some of their political representatives. And I think that that's how the system should work. So we're going to talk about that power of the people segment after we talk about the King statue. But there was another big event that happened this week, and that was the State of the Union uh, address and in the State of the Union address, the president, even though he had sort of put it out there in, in advance, talked about free college, two-year community college for all that were eligible. And we want to talk about that today. Get your thoughts on his proposal of two years of community college for all that are eligible. Now, we did say that there would be something required in return, and I never quite got what that something is. Maybe you all did. If you did, I'd like to hear from you. Also, we're going to talk today about the uh, literacy book drive, and we've been talking about it for a while. We're going to continue to talk about it today because it is building speed. It's building momentum. Uh, the Urban League is the Las Vegas Urban League, going to have book collection drop boxes in six locations. 
Now, that was big all by itself. And they are also going to be able to store some books. And we do need another location to store books. So if some of you all know it, please call in or go to our own Voices Live Facebook page and, and let us know. But one of the other things that happened this morning is I had a chat with the COO of Nevada Partners. And they have also offered to be community partners in this endeavor and have offered up their facility as a book uh, drop location, a book collection location. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later into the program because it isn't just that, but they've also said that they wanted to do even more. And I'll outline a little bit of what that more is. So a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, Again, there was a gentleman that was just shot and I believe killed in New Jersey. And then there's a big story. I don't know if you all remember a while back, there was a a young woman who was, uh, I believe, kidnapped. I'm not sure if they've ever found the body. I don't remember the story that clearly, but it was big news at the time. It was such big news at the time that it was all over the TV, and it was a young uh, white woman, and they said that she had been taken by a large black man, and they had this big search for this fella, who they did find, and after they and they arrested. Well, I just heard this morning, and maybe you all have heard something or read something too. And if you did, please uh, chime in to let us know, because what I read was that even though they had this manhunt for this individual, that it turned out it's the wrong guy. It is not the person. He did not do it. So if you have information on that, like I said, you know, call us in and let us know. And and the call-in number, and we'll get to those calls in a little bit, is area code 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600. And we'd love to hear uh, what you have to say about that in conjunction with the young man who was uh, shot by the police and, and killed, another black man. We wanted some feedback about the statue here. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, and I want to try to get to as much of it as possible. Once again, the call-in number is area code 347 And for those of you who have been listening to the show for a long time, you know that this show is not done just by me. It is powered greatly with the help of my good friend and co-host, the one and only, indomitable Mrs. Angela Thomas. Hey, Angela, how are you? I'm super awesome. I'm girl about town again this week. All hail Caesar. Happy Chinese New Year, Rodney. Oh, well, thank you. And this is the year of the what? The dragon. The red dragon. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think it's a red dragon because red dragons are all over the strip, people. Watch out. <laughs> they're beautiful, though. <laughs> uh, they're beautiful. Well, I'm also 
preparing for the 20th anniversary celebration at my grandchildren's uh, elementary school, Gilbert Elementary. They're celebrating 20 years of being a magnet school, providing education in the arts. So I'm excited about that. My grand bunny is opening up the 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 extravaganza of talent. She's doing the opening of the show, Rodney. So you know I'm I'm getting flowers. I'm I'm getting all all the bunny favorites right now. <laughs> there is about to be one spoiled bunny in Las Vegas. I'm telling you, man, this kid, she brings out the, the all the stories that my kids say about me with my grandchildren that I deny. They all bring it out when something happens, when they're having a big moment. She's at home practicing her lines. She's got her hair done. She's ready. Mm. Well, uh Pass on my congratulations to her. Uh, those things are major accomplishments and really oftentimes stay with the children uh, throughout their life when they have big events like this. Oh, absolutely. So it's a, it's a big uh, dress-up the bunnies day, Saturday, and um, I'm really proud to be a part of uh, the celebration of education in the Valley and to help this Great Magnet Program, which is also a feeder school to LVA, which is one of the top uh, performing arts high schools in the country. For me, I did a documentary for MTV a few years ago on performing arts high schools, and we went to Chicago, my hometown, we went to D.C., and we went to Los Angeles. Favorite, and not just because I live here, but really because of the astonishing program and the level of excellence that they have uh, here at LVA. It was my favorite performing arts high school uh, in the country. We are one of four uh, magnet uh, performing arts high schools in the country that is a feeder program to Broadway, and I'm just happy to have uh, my very talented granddaughter being a part of that community. Mm. You know, Angela, something that... uh... I remember when the initiative for the Magnet Schools program first came to mm-hmm. Las Vegas, and I was a staunch advocate and one of the folks out there pushing for the Magnet program. It is so good to see the impact that the Magnet program has had <laughs> on so many children and how it's impacted their lives and possibly changed their future. So the Magnet Program is something I supported back then. It's something that I still support. Wherever those of you who are listening are, if there's not a Magnet Program where you are, look into the different Magnet Programs all around you, and that is something that I believe you should have. Yeah, absolutely. The, I believe the deadline for getting in the application here in the Valley is February 3rd, but I'll double-check that and um, try to get it on air before we uh, sign off today. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, all of my grandchildren are, I'm happy to say, uh, a part of the Magnet programming here in the Valley. Those that are here with me in Las Vegas are a part of the Magnet programs, uh, various ones across the cities. Um, you know, I'm just really, 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 really happy right now. It's been a good week on Needle on the Record. I had uh, Grammy nominee Antonique Smith. Uh, a lot of people know her. She played Faith Evans on Notorious. She also is the first Grammy-nominated Kickstarter 
uh, campaign ever. So we wow. had her on this week. We had a great conversation, and if you can, check it out in the archives. Mm. Well, I tell you what, maybe later on we could put a link for that particular show on the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page, too, and get some folks over to listen to that. See, we're doing big things here in the Speak Up Network. The Speak Up Network is made up of uh, Our Own Voices, which really is the brainchild of Mrs. Angela Thomas. And we also have Angela's own show with the two Marie, or excuse me, the two Angelas, and uh, that's Needle on the Record that comes on Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. local time here in Las Vegas. That would be, uh, what is that, 9.30 for those of you who are back east. And uh, I I know that I think that's just before Scandal, so you all still get a chance to watch Scandal uh, if if I have (laughs) My, my scandal schedule, right? And uh, we also uh, that's have. That's right. Uh, we're, at, we're we're before scandal and like day after. We should be good still. <laughs> two of my least favorite shows, but that's a different story. Uh, I tell and, you. And, and we talked about Empire uh, last week, and that's been a continual uh, dialogue on the internet. It really has created quite the buzz. Uh, also, we have Mr. Lee Vaughn based out of Houston, Texas now, formerly of uh, B-more in uh, Maryland. And he has his show, Radio Established to Address Life, Real Radio. And, Angela, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but his co-host, uh, Ms. Audra, passed away last week. So, Oh, my God. Uh, I did not know that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, oh, he, wow. Uh, he had called me up and asked me uh, – if I could help him uh, with the show. And, uh, of course, I, I accepted, got up early, and uh, helped him out with the show, mainly just trying to support him through it because he and Audra were very close. And Brother Lee is one of those guys who he could have, you guys could have been friends 20 years ago. You're still going to get a call from Levon at some point. That's just the type of guy that he is. And for him to lose, you know, his family is, his biological family is good size, but then his extended family from years in the military and just uh, living is quite large, and he tries to stay in touch with each and every one of us. So big shouts out to well, you. My uh, condolences to, to Levon and our real radio brothers and sisters and broadcast. Uh, I'm so sorry for the loss. I, wow. That's tough. That's tough. Well, his, his message has been to enjoy those around you right now, because in the truest sense of the word, no one knows the day nor the hour in which we'll be called. And Lee has tried to live his life to the fullest within legal boundaries, uh, mostly. Hey, you better do it. This is not a dress rehearsal. That's true. And uh, so so that's his, that's been his message, and I thought I would pass it on to all of our listeners. Is we have a life to live, and Angela's doing a great job of it with her grandchildren because as a child who was raised by his grandmother, he'll have fond memories of that experience of just being with her. Uh, take the opportunity to uh, enjoy those moments uh, because they will come and go all too quickly. Uh, so, you know what, Rodney? The biggest bright—that's the big. This is the biggest bright spot of being a young mother, a young parent, that I've had the opportunity to be 
to experience my grandchildren and experience them in, in full body and in good health and spirit. And, I, you know, I thank you for that. I, me and Mike work hard to be present and enjoy uh, the fruits of our labor and, you know, be there for the kids and, and help the next generation uh, aspire to greatness. So uh, I want to thank you for the candlelight vigil because my grandson, uh, after the candlelight vigil, you know, they come in and they have, you know, conversation, kind of like a debriefing of their, and he said to me, you know, Mr. Rodney did a good job holding uh, holding Dr. King's message up, and I want to do my best to continue Dr. King's work. Oh, wow. It broke me right on down, right down. I, I mean, I didn't know my eyes could, it was just on automatic water like that. I I immediately... <laughs> started crying, and I, I told him that I'm so proud of him for uh, wanting to step up and continue Dr. King's work, and thank you for appreciating all the hard work that uh, Mr. Rodney put into it, and he just wanted to send that message to you that you did a great job. Well, Angela, well, so I don't get choked up, um, please uh, <laughs> give him a big hug. Uh, and all of your grandchildren, a big hug on my behalf for them coming out there and taking it in. Because truly, truly, one of the main reasons for doing it is because I had thought and I had been told by another young lady who had encouraged me to do the, who asked me to do the candlelight vigil in the first place uh, over seven years ago, was Mm -hmm. that she felt our young people were not understanding and in some cases not even learning about the contributions of not only Dr. King but so many others. And they said there was nothing in the community, right in the community, that was free that the children could go to. I tell you. you uh, Go ahead, Angela. I I was just going to say you really hit a spark with him in the candlelight vigil this year because he came home and he put Dr. Martin Luther King's name in his I in his uh YouTube search box and he was listening to the, he's been listening to the speeches and asking questions. So he's very on fire with Dr. King. I'm I'm like, wow, this is really to be honest with you, it's taken me aback that he's been so sincerely curious about it. Uh, leading up to the candlelight vigil, they were excited. We're going to the candlelight vigil. This is for Dr. King, and this is going to be our observance of Dr. King. They were really talking about it and just so excited about it. Every morning uh, on the way to the, the bus to get the bus to school, and then finally the day came, and they're like, okay, we're going to the candlelight vigil. Aiden, put on an extra sweater and uh, get the candles, bunny. And uh, did you get the scented candles, Bunny? They were asking me and Mike, did we get the scented candles for Dr. King? I'm like, well, yes, actually, we did. Thank you. <laughs> and, and for those oh. who, made, who didn't get a chance to attend or who attended, and you may not know that Angela and her husband, Michael, uh, they were out there uh, hustling, actually even doing the show last week, I'm getting in some streets. of the last things. For the show, yes, she was out in the street. She said, "She said I had her in the street, and she was uh, yeah. her and uh, Michael." And I liked it when you said that you and Michael were doing it 
because I think that we have to talk more about families doing things together, and particularly husband and wives. And you two yeah. out there shopping, uh, Angela and Michael, they bought lights out because there wasn't enough lighting out there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And that really helped, especially I'm trying to videotape, uh, video record it in the dark, and those lights mm-hmm. helped us capture more than just the words, but actually the moment. And, of course, then the candles for the candlelight vigil, because even though I had, I maintained candles uh, in the garage for this event, I literally walked out of the house and left them right there in the garage. So it, it's it was funny going how to be our supplies in the garage just end up being props in the garage, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Angela, you guys are right on time, but the candlelight vigil is, is designed to be a community effort. Uh, it's not designed, believe it or not, to be something sponsored by large corporations. It is designed to be put on by members of the community for the community to help bring up those younger people in the community so that they have a realization of the contributions of those who came before us, and not just to uh, just to hear about it as history, but to have it active in their lives today so that they, whatever was built in the past, and they will know how it got there, they'll understand it, they'll see purpose for it to continue, and then for them to build on it and make it even uh, bigger and better for those who will follow them. So that's sort of the objective of it. And from what you said, two, it sounds like we might have Yeah, my two little bumblebees definitely had suggestions. They're like, we got to get Mr. Rodney uh, some flowers. We got to tell Mr. Rodney to get some flowers for Dr. King to leave at the statue because he deserves some flowers. I mean, they hurt him, and they hurt all of his friends. I mean, they really have taken this Dr. King um, and his sacrifice in. I mean, we went to see Selma, so they got to see another part of it. And uh, I encourage everybody, if you can, take a young person to see Selma. Uh, and I'm actually uh, going to, well, my plan is to go see the movie tomorrow. I really had wanted to see it before the Dr. King event, but uh, just sure. just wasn't enough time. So I, I'm hoping to be able to go see it uh, tomorrow. And uh, then I'd like to have a discussion about that further on. Uh, so, oh, and before I forget, we also have another member of the Speak Up Network, which is Mr. Thomas Berry, based out of, uh, I believe it's Brooklyn Park in Minnesota, and he has uh, Rant Radio. And this brother brings it to you hard. He brings it to you with an edge. But it's in an effort to reach many of those folks who sometimes may be a little bored with my more traditional uh, presentation. And uh, (laughs) Brother Berry reaches uh, that group of people and others He's working hard there in Minnesota to do his part. And, yes, there are black people in Minnesota and plenty of them that need help. <laughs> so big shout-out to Brother Barry for, for doing That's his Barry. thing. Uh, uh, there, a young man uh, learning, uh, very well read. He also is an educator now. Instead of just talking about it, he's being about it, which is something I appreciate, and uh, trying, to, trying to make his move, trying to make his mark. So that's a part of the Speak Up Network, and, of course, this is all based off of our own voices, the print magazine, and as soon as I can figure out how 
to generate some more time or to utilize the time available to me now, I'm going to come out with another edition. I'd really like to come out with another edition for February to kick off mm-hmm. the, uh, the winter and then maybe uh, start doing it more regularly uh, throughout the spring. So that's some of our goals and keeping the dream alive and doing our part to build upon it, the candlelight vigil being one of it. So now you all have kind of an extended uh, idea of what the show is about today. So 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one if you would like to jump into the conversation. And just as a reminder, what we're talking about today is we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., statue and the damage that has befallen it with no one seeming to know. Uh, One of the questions that was posed to me is, is the neglect of the statue somehow associated with our people feeling neglected themselves? Is the neglect well, of the you know statue what? somewhat associated with the people I and the community feeling neglected themselves? Uh, one of would, the oh, go ahead, Angela. I was going to say I think it would be great to to enlighten the audience. You know, this is the seventh. What was this? The seventh year of the candlelight vigil. Yes, ma'am. And. Normally, Rodney does a lot of um, reminders to the groundskeepers of the statue to maybe fix a light or fix something, various areas of disrepair. But, you know, sometimes life has you really busy, and he didn't get a chance to do that this year. And, you know, I'm kind of happy I'm, you know, kind of. I guess happy is maybe the wrong term, but without another one, I'm kind of happy for the for the mistake because it it brought a focus to the candlelight vigil that opened all of our eyes and it brought it brought about activism on the on the spot activism. Myself, my husband, and many others tweeted our elected officials that uh, officials that are in charge of of, of that area and. You know, they were they were at the at another uh, hundred dollar a plate plus dollar plate uh, event that evening honoring Dr. Martin Luther King. And you know, I I don't think that the the, the ticket price says anything about the sincerity, but certainly the disrepair that the monument uh, in his honor at this time certainly was, to me, a glaring, a glaring uh, testament to the priority that community must be to them. It, it certainly showed a lot. Well, Angela, it's interesting you said that about the politicians, because one of the things that, you know, we don't normally get, too many politicians at the candlelight vigil. As a matter of fact, we get uh, Dr. Linda Young, our Clark County School Board trustee, and we get uh, Assemblywoman from AD7 
Assemblywoman Dina Neal. And Assemblywoman Neal uh, came out before she went to the dinner Again. Uh, to, to take time to spend with the community and share some words with them, which I greatly appreciate because she could have said, no, I can't make it because I have this dinner to go to. And I would have understood that. And I don't hold it against any of the politicians for not making it. Ours is a, is a small event. And plus there was some special recognition for uh, former Congressman Stephen Horsford at the event. I would have liked to have attended the event myself, but I have the candlelight vigil to do. And I think the candlelight vigil is important because it's free and it's right in the community for the people to attend, which is something that they need. Uh, so, But she still found a way to attend. Well, Angela, you said something that I thought about it after it happened. Is Usually, just like you said, I go out in advance, survey the area, and then call in to the uh, people, like you said, who maintain the area to fix whatever needs to be fixed, whether it's clean the place up, uh, turn the sprinklers off, as an example, uh, uh, to clean the statue up because a lot of times there's bird stuff all over it, and to make sure that everything, the lights are, are working, uh, the question, the the flags, which are usually tattered, and oftentimes the electrical junction box would need repair for whatever reason. And this time, I really crossed my fingers and just hoped that everything would be okay. Now, the reason, one of the reasons for doing that is that's what my military training says, is that we should always go and survey the area and to make sure it's good. But one of the things that they told me was I am the only person that reserved that statue and civilian area for events. Now, it's not that people have to do events there, and maybe people do things there and they just don't reserve it because it is a public space, even though I have to pay to reserve it. And uh, I wondered... How long had it been that way? And I know a lot of people are pointing fingers at our elected officials, but the statue and the monument wasn't put there for elected officials per se. I'm sure they had a lot to do with getting it there. But it was really put there for the people. I'm and glad you, you said add- that, Rodney. The disrepair of the monument did inspire me to do something. I have put together a MLK statue preservation group. I'm inviting all who want to come and have plant plants. Make sure that the statue is kept in good repair because I, I, I agree with you. It isn't the sole responsibility of elected officials. There are people who, you know, this is a part of, of their job and, you know, they have many things that they have to take care of. So maybe a little helping hand from the community, because it is a community space, is in order. So I I am putting together, I have put it together, and I'm looking for more men, women, and children who want to come out, and we go the year and make sure that the statue is in good standing, because we are, something you said really resonated with me, that we, we are a rare um, city. We 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 have a MLK statue. Not everybody has that. Number one, put together by a, a female, world-renowned uh, sculptor, uh, 
I'll look up her name in just a moment. But she's she was world renowned, and um, she worked really hard to put that rendering together. And you shared with me and others that uh, MLK the Third was even out uh, when the statue was was first presented. And you know, sometimes we get busy with our lives and forget how important. Uh, community is so. If there's anybody else who wants to to go with me and and and, and my uh my group of five so far, we make that help. six because I want to be a part. Okay, my group of six that 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 is gonna go out and and uh, clean up the area, survey the area, clean up the area, uh, repair what we are able to repair. Like I noticed that the plant. We need some new plants. So if anybody wants to donate and come out and help plant, we welcome it. Let's let's do it. Let's take it upon ourselves. I did uh, tweet that evening. I, I tweeted several representatives pictures of uh, the tiles. I don't know if we're legally able to repair, repair the tiles, but I did tweet the pictures to our elected officials, and they sent us a message at the candlelight vigil via one of our speakers, um, that they received the messages and that they were going to fix it up. But I think maintenance, that's something that a a small group of us can get together and and get on top of. You know, it it is, and I don't want to take the responsibility away from those people who get paid to do that. But what I am saying is this is uh, Angela talked about flowers. Uh, Many people see some flowers in the base of the monument, and they say, oh, look, some of the flowers are dying, or all dead. And I said, did you all know that this is actually uh, a water fountain, that there's actually water that's supposed to be streaming down the side of the base of of the uh, statue? That was shocking me. I had not ever seen that. I was shocked when you shared that. So, and and I know that everybody wasn't there when the statue and the monument was first put there. And if you came there a couple of years after, would you notice that there's no water? I'm not exactly sure specifically when the water stopped. But I'm not even sure that flowers are supposed to be in the base because there should be water running down. So that's something else that we need to talk with uh, the folks that take care of it to make sure or find out why the water isn't flowing because that water was taken. And Franklin G. spoke about that on his radio show on Like It Is Radio. He talked about that that was sort of taken uh, from Dr. one of Dr. King's speeches about uh, the war in Vietnam and that that was being applied to the statue and the monument reminiscent of that speech and as a constant reminder. And I thought, well, how can it remind us if it's not working? So uh, the the basic functionality of the statue is not there. And, again, I know that the commissioner for that area is Commissioner Larry Weekly, and I know he took a lot of heat from some people saying that how could he allow this to happen. Well, what I'm going to say is this, is the commissioner has a large area. And Absolutely. Part of, 
the commissioner's job. Yes, that is it. But he has so many other things to do, and people with some immediate uh, life-threatening needs. Now, this is what I was talking about. The other segment we were going to do with Power of the People, and I sort of wanted to use this statue to talk about that, is, and a young lady, I'll see if I can pull up her name, she mentioned it on Facebook on one of our posts, is how she contacted his office after she heard about it, Power of the People. And the office said that it will be taken care of. And she even gave us a number to call on the specific area. And I'll, I'll give that to you in a little bit as well. Because I want you all to, I want more of you to call. And I want you to keep calling and keep writing. Not to bug them, but as a reminder. Because oftentimes there are other priorities that happen. They have a bunch of meetings to go to. They have a bunch of events uh, to go to that people from the community throw. So I understand their schedule is busy. I get that. But here's the thing. There's people who drive by that statue daily. It's in a very good area. But And there's people who walk by. The One of our justice courts is there. Our senior, a senior community center is there. Uh, and there's other entities that are there. So there are people walking by that, that statue and that pavilion constantly. But the condition of the statue did not happen overnight. Now, I have pictures of the statue from last year's candlelight vigil to show that it was not like it is we found it. But anyone at any time can call and say, hey, there's a problem with the statue. It's damaged. It's, uh, the lights are not working. The flags are tattered. Whatever that condition is, any of us has, has the power to call in and say something and not only say something but continue the calls and continue the emails until it gets fixed. That statue is something that this whole city and the Las Vegas Valley should be proud of because we're fairly small. But not only do we have a statue and a pavilion for it, but it's on, built right off of Martin Luther King Boulevard. So we have a street, formerly Highland Drive, that is now Martin Luther King Boulevard. We have a statue and a monument right there. And then in that pavilion area, there are various quotes from Dr. King's speeches. This is something that the whole community, our, our city, uh, white, black, Latino, uh, the disabled community, everyone should be proud of and embrace. And when that statue is damaged, it really is something that we all should be involved in in repairing it. Now, Absolutely. Uh, we did have uh, Franklin G. who grabbed the microphone and and spoke on it. And I was glad that he spoke on it. And, again, as we talk about power of the people, he used that opportunity to share what he saw. Now, had I gone out, as I usually do, and saw it and called it in, and they had fixed it. I mean, it would have been good for it to have been fixed, and especially before the event. But it would, the people then would not have had a chance to exercise their power and also to see how things sometimes happen. Sometimes in our efforts to keep things going, we remove the people's responsibilities from it, and one person tends to have that burden. 
this was a situation where a bunch of people were texting and and tweeting and we tweeted, uh, Facebooking, I tweeted. and there was an immediate response. But even though there's a immediate response, that didn't necessarily mean something was going to happen. Now, on our local uh, terrestrial radio station, uh, KCEP, Power 88, uh, 88.1 on your FM dial, <laughs> uh, they have a show called The Breakdown, and it comes on on uh, Wednesday evening. And this was something that was so important to them. They used their platform to talk about it, and they were gracious enough to uh, allow me to speak about the candlelight vigil and the statue. And then Franklin G. had me on his show yesterday morning, Like It Is Radio, comes on at 8 o'clock a.m. on KCEP, uh, to talk about it further. And we've had a commitment from the county commissioners and from others that this will be fixed. That shows when the people exercise their power, things get done. We make things happen. And so we have a caller, so let's bring the caller on. And uh, good afternoon. You are, are on. Our own voice is live. We're talking about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, statue uh, being in disrepair. We're also talking about power of the people. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question or comment? Well, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, good afternoon, Ronnie. This is Franklin. How you living, man? Oh, sir, I'm doing, I am on top of the world, brother. How are you? Well, you should be, you know, in as much as when you get public apologies. I, I don't want to go straight to the point, but I guess I got you. Did any of the administration officials call or contact or have any type of outreach to you since this event? Uh, I have not received anything that, that I'm aware of from anyone. No, have I. Well, I mean, you know, I'm outcast now because I've highlighted something. But in any event, what happens is it's, as, as when I did it then and to the mobilization of the people who were there, who witnessed it, this is what it's all about. And that's what I tried to express to us. We're witnessing our own self-marginalization because, as you indicated, Mr. Smith, this has come over a period of time. Each of the times of the events, you being the sole, let's just call it the sole proprietor of these events, Something has gone astray, or it hasn't been 100%. Not that anything is, but because we get to this condition where we allow things to happen, like Dr. King said, anything can happen. And the larger issue isn't, as they may be fighting it out for whatever, or words may have been, some I've been led to believe that some of the words may have been not as friendly as they could have been, should I have come to them first. No, it was all spontaneous. There's nothing choreographed. There was no witnessing to anything other than me being there and watching it. And it reminds me of things in my life where I just know the black community, we marginalize ourselves because we don't complain. We don't complain out of fear of being perceived as angry. We don't complain, and it's just like when I played the Dr. King speech to, to explain to people what the principle was about and his commitment to nonviolence. If you allow things to happen, it gives it a license to grow. So one year it's a tree dead, one year it's the water cut off, one year it's the thing. That is what this world has come to. And as I said, it's our fault. It's not It's not anybody else's fault, even though I know there's a justice system there and I had an opportunity again last night at an event to talk to somebody who said they, 
they don't want to go there and they don't, you know, they didn't like Dr. One of the youth who didn't like Dr. King because it seemed a symbolism for the the system that oppresses him, that holds him down and things like that. So what happens is I'm glad the event uh, in terms of what you were doing, Mr. Smith, happened because it did. if it wasn't for you bringing me there, I would not have grabbed the microphone and, you know, interjected the thought to look at what we're taking and then challenging the people to use social media since we we're all there on our phones anyway. Uh, send it, send it to, the, to, the, to the council person or send it to the commissioner or send it to the president. This is the opportunity. So I hope that that was enough significant movement or social movement, as Dr. King says, that we should all be doing. We should all be engaged in social movement. That's what he said. And he also said, just like you said, Roddy, in several of his speeches, he wants justice to roll down like the mighty streams to the people. And that's when they had water. Once they cut that, I wish I would have known they cut that water off. But let's move forward. We all know that's out there. And I would say, again, thanks for having the event there, Mr. Smith, that brought all this to light because that's how God works. You know what I mean? I just got there and got mad and, you know, we just, you know, the rest is history. We're living it. But let's look at the way forward, as you were saying. The way forward, I think that's a brilliant idea. I wish I would have uh, acted upon it because I suggested that, but somebody told me that I I, I had an Andy Andy Young moment, a younger brother who I respect, a friend, you need to lay low on some things. Right now you're kind of hot, son. (laughs) Don't take on no project. Well, you know what, Franklin? I I just want to speak this about it. If we cannot speak truth to power uh, without it being confrontational, Without it being anything other than the truth shared, truth truth shared from the people to a person that the people put in that place, and we should be able to have a dialogue. And even if it's anger from some people, anger is good. Anger moves things. Anger changes things. And it shouldn't be anything that's taken so personal, or oh, this person put this heat on me. You should be grateful that the people that put you in your position, feel close enough to you to feel like they could say, hey, I'm going to send them a tweet. I'm going to send them a text. I, you know, I'm sorry if it disturbs somebody's expensive dinner, but really, if we can't talk to you as our representative, then maybe you don't need to represent us. For real. Well, And I don't care who yeah. takes offense to that. I, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to cause any problems, but we should – be able to have a dialogue with our leadership. That's, that shouldn't be a problem. Right, right. And I, I appreciate that. I believe in what you say. And in the, in the King fashion, I'm going to say yes. But as we know, Dr. King, and I play that, he said that. You're going to walk alone sometime when you challenge righteousness or you want to be righteous. So, all right, you know, we're walking alone. But I think we should expand on that idea. And I'd like to offer the platform of my show to try to figure that out. But at the same time, what I would say there's a responsibility due to our tax dollars and displacement. I don't want to take anybody's job, and more do I want to remove the responsibility no, for the people who absolutely. we impose. So absolutely I would say if, if we want to do some kind of thing, what we do is every year we figure out how to put flowers out there ourselves as citizens and maybe focus I, something I around I, 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 Maybe yeah. you missed but, it, but I formed the MLK Preservation Committee. Right on it. Right, we're, right. We're, we're a committee of six. So far, anybody is welcome to come out and join. We're going to plant flowers, and, you know, we're not trying to get in the way of nobody's job, but we do want to go out there and And um, keep our monument presentable because it is a huge honor and gift to have an MLK statue on MLK 
um, in our community, and we should honor that. And I would think to also say, you know, in addition, one of the things I guess we could possibly try to do is I love the palm trees. I really do. I know they're expensive. I really appreciate them. They are also mm-hmm. in disrepair. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to go over, but I would say let's probably petition to have a revamping because I believe the palm trees, much like the system, blocks Dr. King. I can't mm-hmm. see him as readily as I could if there was no other. I'm saying I, I know palms. We can pick those palms up and move them to other parts. So we don't have sure. the investment dollar of it because a palm can be moved. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. open it up. Let's maybe figure out how to change that image that the young man presented to me, where it is a place that there's a justice center, there's a community center. He, see, he seemed to express to me that it was, it, it was closed in. There was no way out. And I looked at it when I went again after the show yesterday in the light of day. And, yes, those trees, while expensive and maybe, you know, great and they need upkeep also, I think we should move. So we should open Dr. King up. That's the vision. We can't see him from the street. Just, and, and that traffic that goes on. That's MLK, an interesting point. Yeah. It's, it's a psychological thing. You know, and I've taken a few urban planning classes, and the whole thing is just let's open it up. While I appreciate it, they like to put palms everywhere. You know, we got a MLK regular boulevard. I appreciate that. It's a lot of money, mm-hmm. and I know Mr. Councilman Barlow made it happen. But that's cool. That's a divider. And that's what I mean. They're used to divide, to shade, if you will. You know, and, and much like Dr. King, I appreciate that they won't blow over. That's what the beauty of a palm tree is, being a West Indian. It'll bend, but it won't fall over. Other trees that are rooted fall over. I appreciate all of that, but I think we need to open Dr. King up so that the traffic that goes up and down MLK, I'm willing to confess it's over half a million cars every day. Because you got to figure wow. that is a main corridor. And That's a main thing. corridor. It is a main thoroughfare. We are very right. fortunate. Absolutely. Right. Up. And maybe some other businesses may take effect. Because, as you, you know, the, the way forward, everybody's in a disarray, mad about maybe how it was delivered, and people hey, the way forward is let's unite everybody. I think that's a great idea. And as opposed to the other events of the shaking and the, the eating and the giving away of awards, maybe we just use his words. His words. And I know there's poets, and we do poets, and I appreciate the poets who come out there, but all we need is his words. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's not saying anything against anybody who has a creative flow to create something. But if you got individuals... No, and that's we didn't thing, take if, it like that. But that's no, true. No, no, saying, yeah, his, words words were, his words were... His words were poetic and full enough. Absolutely. And, full of words. And make it as... Right. It's just no offense. We don't need an MC. And I, I mean that. Just play his words. Even if we can't get through spoken... At any time of the day, you could, he had, I believe he has on both of those days at least four hours worth of words. Mm-hmm. If we just set up mm-hmm. speakers out there, just let his words flow. When you, whatever time you come is a good time. You don't have to hear this. I have a dream speech. You can hear the speech that I heard about Vietnam. Fantastic. Yeah, right, it's, it's lots I mean, of other great speeches. Just Absolutely. let it resound, you know. And that, that's what I would say. As opposed to the festivities that may be forced upon us. I want to be part of it. I got a group. Ah, I appreciate you. We'll, we'll, we'll put your logo on there. Just come out. Because at, at some point, which is what happens with the other events, and which is what I believe, we lose control. The candlelight vigil is perfect, especially on his assassination day, because he was assassinated in the afternoon. He was preparing to go to dinner. So 
So mm-hmm. that would be symbolic. We could even have a moment of silence at the actual time of the shooting, which I believe is for something, you know, East Coast time, whatever. We want to clock it, we could do a full here no matter what. It's about mm-hmm. creating the vision, you know, of what it is. And so, again, Mr. Smith, you know, I salute you for having the event and having the show. And uh, I realize you're not been dialoguing a lot. We're probably uh, getting like uh, Michael Strahan. We're everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, well, you the know, facts of the Franklin, it, it does take us. It, and, and I think that sometimes, you know, we talk about uh, this country and we throw around the Constitution and the preamble and all of that stuff, and it does say we the people. And we the people do have a responsibility to ourselves but the government is truly made up of people with those who are representing us, supposedly representing us with them, tell, with us telling them what it is we want to represent them in. Anyone who would put the blame on our elected officials, and especially one, I think are missing the mark. They're missing the point. Uh, those elected officials do a lot on their own, but they can do even mm-hmm. more with the people helping and occasionally right. pushing because sometimes they right. may need to be pushed. As a matter of fact, some of them have told me that the, they want to hear more from the people. The, the, this segment of the show was called Power of the People because I wanted this to show how when the people exercise their power that the politicians will listen. And on April 4th, April 4th, we had been talking about, myself and Jess Flow and Angela and a couple others have been talking about, you know, we let's do something to tie in the relationship that Malcolm and Martin had towards the end of both of their lives. And what we but you know, but you know I would say I would say because that before that Malcolm X's assassination date is in February. The twenty first. So I would say, don't get me wrong, and much like the dream, I, I, I realize having uh, when Doctor Clark when Doctor Small comes, you can ask him. The differences between the two need to be respected, even though their friendship at the end was trying to come together, as he had spoken, and I remember years ago, he said, it didn't happen. It didn't happen for whatever reason. It didn't happen. So he would prefer to keep Malcolm as Malcolm, Dr. King as Dr. King. That's the way it was. So I recognize that King has the assassination date, but for the 21st, it's which is a Saturday. And I believe that's President's Weekend. I'm not sure if it's that weekend or the weekend before. Dude, we could do a candlelight vigil for Malcolm. Because to cross-pollinate them, maybe as, as I was given to believe, it separates their two visions. It, it melds it together. And that's something that just, unfortunately, during history, just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So they each deserve their own, as Dr. Small would have. Because Dr. Small, who we're bringing to town, was Malcolm, one of Malcolm X's uh, confidants in the early days. And he would definitely talk about that. And Franklin, while you're on that topic, I know that's not one of the things that we're going to talk about that we had scheduled to talk about on the show today. But let's give the people a little, a little more of a snippet on what to expect from you and Like It Is Radio and a few others with Doctor Small. What it's all about and and why you're doing it. <clears throat> well, like you, stuff got to get done. And uh, when we first brought Doctor Renoko Rashid in town a year and a half ago. We filled the library, and it was such an outreach and stuff like that. But last year, we got a politically side and politics took, took over. So we went back to our roots, having what's called Black Weekend, which is why I thought we could incorporate some of what is Black History Month, which is too big, yet too small. But when I say too big, it's because everybody here in this town kind of does their own thing. So there's no way to make everything. But I figured that 
if we did something on a weekend and called it Black Weekend, <clears throat> it would be cool. Something for your mind, your body, and your soul. And I got that from my college days when I was at a particular school where there weren't a lot of Africans. They used student government money. Uh, you know, I was in, working with student government and part of it, and we directed a certain amount of it, my rights and being on campus with all the different black groups. And then we got some progressive groups involved. We had a lot of money. We were able to bring Dick Gregory in for your mind on Thursday. Uh, Friday, we have Queen of Four, who's for the ladies in your body and your soul, because yes, yes, she's, uh, uh, she's still alive. <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> she's still alive. She's old. <clears throat> and then we have Earth, Wind, and Fire. So we're trying to do the same thing here in Vegas and create something for your mind, your body, and your soul. So on Thursday night at the West Las Vegas Library, we'll be showing a movie and having a whole program orientated towards the youth. Uh, there's a movie that was made here with Nevada Partners uh, and under the President Obama's My Brother's Keeper Initiative. Shot here locally. He's a filmmaker here. He's a young guy. We're going to have all of them in the house. We're going to have some other productions for young people. On Friday, we're bringing to town Dr. James Small. Uh, he's a professor emeritus currently. He taught at the City College of New York City under Dr. Leonard Jeffries. There they had a consortium of African-American doctors, Ph.D. men, who created more black Ph.D. men from, during the 80s and 90s than any, any institutional organization. They blossomed with black history and black history information. Dr. Swall is a pan-Africanist who has been around and has made so many trips to the motherland he is an enshrined and stooled chief. He has tours that go back there annually. In fact, there's one that's coming up this year. I'm trying to figure out how to get my pennies together to go. He's also worked with Dr. Leonard Jeffries. He's worked with Dr. Ben Yakuman. He's worked with Dr. John Henry Clark. He's, he's done the research, and he's basically about how black people through the continent have lost something with slavery how even us being here have lost something with slavery, how the same thing in Cuba, the same thing in Panama, the same thing wherever you find people of color, especially Brazil, black people were brought there and are still disenfranchised from the larger belief that they can handle it. And that's because of industrial racism, sexism, and things of that nature. And he says that the unification of all of these classes of people, much like Kwame Nkrumah was trying to unite Africa, would change the world. And that would make the world more pan-African because all, it's all related to being an African. So the melanin that divides us should unite us. So that's his principle. And he also explains, and he will hopefully explain, he's written a lot of books. He's got DVDs. He's got all kind of, you name it, he'll have it. <laughs> and uh, he will explain how that measure of incompatibility and slavery in every culture is the same. And that's Pan-Africanist theory, that people of the world of color need to unite the natural resources and remove the people from the larger good, unite and take them back. Well, we did that education. Yeah. You, you have said uh, a lot, and I hope everybody absorbed that. We're going to have some shows, uh, uh, I'm sure, uh, Like It Is Radio, uh, that comes yeah. on 8 o'clock. With, uh, 8 o'clock Friday morning with Franklin G. Verley. We'll uh, talk about this as we get nearer to it. We're going to talk about it uh, as we get nearer to it as well. Uh, Our Own Voices is a participant in this event, another opportunity for community outreach. You had mentioned Nevada uh, partners before who are just in so many different things under the leadership of uh, Mrs. Monica Ford, Ms. Monica Ford as the CEO 
and Dr. Tiffany Tyler, the COO. Uh, this organization that's doing great things in the community, run, run by two sisters, uh, making things happen. So this, these are other, these are community events uh, put on by members of the community, just like Franklin. And I hope that you all will stay tuned. We'll try to post something up on the page about that to keep you all abreast of it. And Franklin, you had talked about education, which takes us into the second part of our, or, or another part of our show, uh, also concerning power of the people. Uh, if you ever hear Franklin talk, he often references different authors and books that he read. Well, truth be told, most Americans don't read a hundred books or more than a hundred books for sure in their lifetime. Another statistic is the average African-American household, the average. I'm not talking about the ones on the fringes, but an American household. In England, only 40% of the households have a library of 10 books. In America, the numbers are even lower. The numbers are lower. Studies, research, science, y'all, has shown that children who do not have a library of at least 10 books who are not brought up reading have literacy problems in school, whether it's just in general reading but also with mathematics. They're, least, they're less likely to graduate high school, but they are more likely to be touched by the judicial system. And once you're touched by the judicial system, once they get a hold of you, they tend not to let you go. So Dr. King, as mentioned and referenced by Dr. Robert Green, who was in charge of Dr. King's educational initiative, who's written several books. He's a professor emeritus from Michigan State University. Right here in Las Vegas, we have living history. A man who touched right among us has spoke about how much money Dr. King had raised and how he had, I think it was $20 million, and how he had given all of that money back to the community, and a part of it was helping children get to college. A lot of our children can't make it out of high school. And one of the ways that we at Our Own Voices and Our Own Voices Live, along with a bunch of other community partners, and I'll list them shortly, one of the things that we have collectively decided to do is have a book drive. And this is the third annual book drive in which we're trying to collect 10 books for 1,000 people, preferably children. 10 books for 1,000 children. And we believe that's 10,000 books. Last year, we collected and gave away, six, I think it's 6,500 books. The year before that, we collected and gave away a similar number. This year, the, our third year, we want to collect even more and give away even more. Because if we can put books in the hands of our children, believe it or not, the children spend less time watching TV, less time with video games, more time 
interacting verbally with their peers. And once that gift of reading has been instilled in them, they tend to continue it growing up and then pass it on to their children. So what a legacy we can start by simply getting books that we may have read and don't plan on reading anymore, may be collecting dust in the garage, and then taking those books and passing them on to our young people. We take what's not being used and collecting dust, and then we give it to those who can use it where it becomes empowering. Uh, Franklin, you mentioned Nevada Partners and their My Brother's Keepers initiative. Nevada Partners has also said that they will collaborate with us in this book drive endeavor and that they will have a drop-off box at their facility and people can come and drop boxes off. They're not there yet. We're building up to it, but it will be there soon. Officially, this kicks off February 1st, but we're going to try to get the boxes in position sooner. Uh, In conjunction with Nevada Partners, the Las Vegas Urban League, has also said that they will allow us to put drop boxes at six of their locations, and they're also storing some of the books. Now, we need another place to store books because they don't have enough space because, remember, we're trying to get 10,000 books. Now, when I first did this, I got books donated as far away as New York, and that's great. But I believe we can collect 10,000 books right here in Las Vegas in this Las Vegas family. Uh, Craig Knight, the general manager of our local radio station, of which uh, Like It Is Radio is one of the shows that for the community hosted there, has said that the radio station will support our book drive. This is a community event, and I want you all to feel the power of yourself because it will be because of you that we will collect these books, and then those children that receive those books, they will receive those books because of you. This is low cost. I'm not asking anyone to go out and buy books. If that's something that you choose to do, that's fine. But I believe we have enough books that are going unused, unfortunately, but maybe they're books that just been read, that we can repurpose and put in the hands of those children who don't have four books in their house, can you imagine not having books? Angela, I know you are an avid book reader. Could you imagine not having books? Books are things that empower us. Books are things that educate us and entertains us. We can have fun. Angela, could you imagine your children not having books, your grandchildren not having books? I have been involved with a, with a, quite a few literacy programs, especially at home. Uh, I, I did a lot more of this type of um, community involvement in Chicago uh, and have helped adults and children with reading at uh, various levels and um I have tried on a number of occasions to uh, imagine my life without books. I, I just, I, I can't. That's kind of like imagining a world with no air for me. When I think about how much um, books have 
affected me have uh, been the base of so many conversations, so many important conversations, so many funny conversations, so many uh, aspects of my life are built around books and my involvement with books and uh, personalities that I've come to appreciate over the years. Uh, I don't. I don't imagine that relationship being as full and, you know, rich in exchange without getting to experience them uh, as authors. So many people I've went to hear speak, I've come to appreciate um, from their book background, from from things that they've written and met, whether it's the publication or uh, their actual books. I I just can't imagine uh, what type of quality of life I would have, not just socially, but just all around, just in general, without the uh, ability to read and enjoy uh, the written word. Unimaginable. What I suggest to people is especially those who happen to share with me that they're looking at buying someone a book, or excuse me, they're looking at buying someone a gift and they don't know what to get them, I encourage them to buy a book. Find out what that person reads. Uh, find out what they like, a topic. Some people like to do uh, home improvements, auto uh, repair and restoration, a home restoration. Uh, some people are into fashion. It's, as you all know, there's books on everything. I really want you to put in the forefront of when you're thinking about gifting someone, giving someone a gift, to think about getting a book and sharing it with them. When you're thinking about your own children and it's a birthday or it's Christmas or whatever that occasion is that you give a gift, give them a book. Give them a book. And when you're finished with those books and those books are sitting there, if you're not going to use them anymore, especially when they're taking up space, feel free to pass those books on to someone else. And that's what we're asking you all with this with this book drive because we're going to have a book fair as well. And the book fair is going to be hosted by the Living <coughs> Sociology Club, who's been a, a driving force behind this book on this uh, initiative, drive yeah. and book fair. Last year, Sister Isis and Sister Jess Flo did poetry, and they had a poetry corner. Uh, they had some folks out there with, uh, I believe it was from SMAD. Uh, SMAD is Students Making a Difference out of CSN. They had a, a book a reading corner for children. Uh, we have adult books. We have children's books. Uh, the, the students out at CSN, a part of the Living Sociology Club, tried to organize the books in by age and by grade. Uh, we want adults to come out and read the books because if children see adults reading, they're more likely to read. And when children see other children reading, they're more likely to read because it becomes it sort of feeds on itself and, and becomes self-reciprocating. We have another caller on the line. Uh, let me bring uh, this caller on. Good afternoon. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. We're in this segment talking about the uh, book drive and upcoming book fair. Welcome to the show. 
Good afternoon. Oh, this is Dr. Good afternoon. Tiffany Welcome to the show. Hi, Welcome, I Dr. Tyler. I am so excited to be calling in, and I can't tell you how honored we feel to be supporting literacy in our community by partnering with you to be a donation site. Well, we appreciate you all uh, giving up a little space for that. And, you know, you, you guys do so much in the community. Uh, we just had the, uh, the the big film debut here in Las Vegas that was a part of a, uh, a groundbreaking initiative that you guys have. You guys tend to be on the cutting edge. In uh, Latin, we would say Semper in Lima, Semper in Lima, always in the forefront, always on the threshold. You guys are making big things happen. Can you share with the folks a little bit about the uh, movie event and that that concept and some of the other things? Uh, My Brother's Keeper, you guys are, I believe, the lead in that here locally. Oh, awesome. I'll be, absolutely. So we are spearheading a national initiative announced by the White House this past spring um, called the My Brother's Keeper Initiative, where the focus is really on responding to the needs of our boys and young men of color across the nation. And as a part of that effort, they have prioritized uh, education, employment, ending the school-to-prison pipeline, literacy, as well as the overall well-being of our young men. And under the auspices of that initiative, we partnered with Studio 11 to offer youth in our community an opportunity to develop their workforce skills. And in recognition of some of the emerging markets here, uh, particularly film production, partnered with Studio 11 to actually offer the first film production assistant training here in the state, where a wow. cohort of youth were formally certified as production assistants. And as a part of that process, as a demonstration of their skills, they had to undertake an actual film production. And as um, I would say divine order would have it, they selected to develop a film that was really about the impact of voter registration and jury uh, duty service on people of color. And that was before we ever knew that Ferguson would uh, arise as an issue or or the New York incident. So they were already thinking about the impact of civic engagement on their lives. So we mm. were ecstatic. Well, so this and, past and that was... winter, we... I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say that was powerful. Go, go continue. So I was just going to briefly share that this past winter, they formally, we formally, uh, in partnership with Studio 11, debuted that film production, that short film, where you actually see the intersection of race in the criminal justice system and the vital need for us to not only register to vote, but to begin to exercise our agency by truly ensuring that we have a jury of our peers by serving on juries. You know, typically in our communities when we talk about jury duties, the one thing everyone's trying to get out of, but if, if we're going to ever have a jury of our peers, it's the one, one of the things that we need to be seeking to do, mm-hmm. particularly if we're going to balance the scales of justice in our community. Well, and, and see, what I like about some of the things that you all are doing is they're not overly complicated. Now, I understand that film production has a lot of moving parts, 
But once you are know what you're doing, you can put those parts together. And Angela, you being a student of film, you know more about that uh, than I do. Uh, Dr. Tyler, you uh, you also with the My Brothers Keepers Initiative. That's a White House initiative. I believe you all are the lead organization. Uh, do you guys have meetings on that? Is it open to the public? And what some of um, some of your successes and some of your goals with that? Oh, absolutely. In partnership with the city of Las Vegas, who formally adopted our initiative as a part of a White House challenge just this past fall, we are continuing to convene each month every second and fourth Wednesday at 3.30 at Nevada Partners. And as a part of that challenge, they ask municipalities to formally adopt um, their local initiatives and then support the development of a community-wide action plan. Uh, We are in the 90th day of a 120-day process to formalize a plan for our community. And I can tell you that preliminarily what we've identified as the priorities include ending the school-to-prison pipeline here, increasing graduation rates among boys and young men of color, as well as improving reading. So when we heard about your initiative, mm-hmm. the book drive, 10 books for every for 1,000 youth, we thought, oh, my gosh, we must get on board to support uh, this type of leadership in the community. Wow. Well, the fact that you guys are on board being recognized by the White House uh, really made me happy that you would consider partnering and collaborating with our community initiative. And you guys are, uh, this is very representative of you guys being a part of the community. Well, we appreciate it because we truly do know that it takes a village. And in our case, it's going to take this whole community if we're going to turn the tide. So that well, we can be with you and the work is so, so important. Uh, I I believe we can do it. We're in the process of doing it. Uh, Things don't turn overnight, though. It it takes effort, and it takes, you know, it takes a little time. But the sooner that we start the effort and we put in the time, the sooner that we can see the fruits of our labors. And I believe that it will be a bountiful harvest as long as we stay the course and we look for opportunities to collaborate. We all do Mm -hmm. Things. And sometimes, even though the things that we do are different, but when we work together, we can find out how whatever it is that my thing is can benefit your thing or your thing can benefit my thing. And that breaks down barriers, it tears down walls, and it gives us an opportunity to work together. When we work together, we tend to get to know each other a little bit better. When we know each other a little bit better, it opens up more opportunities for us to do even greater things to get. I love the concept of the banner partners. I mean, just the name, partners and partnership. Uh, it, that says a lot by itself. Uh, Dr. Tyler, your involvement with the this book drive, Nevada Partners' involvement with the book drive and allowing us to have uh, book drop locations, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it and participating and enthusiastically participating. Uh, that makes a difference, actually. Thank you again. Thank you, and thank you for all the great work that you guys are leading in the community. Well, Dr. Um, Tyler, I also want to say thank you for all the hard work that you put into each and every program um, that 
Nevada Partners spearheads and, and takes part in. You guys put a lot of energy and, and effort into everything. So thank you so much for everything you do. And I loved your thank article you. in the RJ. It was awesome. If you guys want to check out this Dr. Tiffany Tyler and, and what she's doing, what she has done, please go on to the Las Vegas Review Journal and check her article out. It's online. Super awesome. You know, Dr. And we'll Tyler, post it on our go. page, too. Uh, Dr. Tyler, before you go, uh, Nevada Partners also has a culinary component to it, and in that they have a working kitchen and restaurant called the Westside Bistro. And many of you at the beginning of the show will often hear me introduce the show in reference to the various conversations that we've had at the gathering, is what we call it, and that's held at the Bistro, part of Nevada Partners. Uh, Dr. Tyler has been at Nevada Partners for a long time, and she's seen us there, uh, and she's joined us as she did yesterday. If you could take maybe a minute and tell us what is your view of the gathering, what it is, and just your opinion of the gathering. Wow. You know, it's one of the most empowering dialogues that I've had over the course of my last several years have happened right there at the gathering. When I tell you that it is truly a place to gather with like-minded people and talk about critical issues that are impacting our community, but beyond that, um, ways in which we can truly take action to move the community forward happen there, it happens there, and it happens consistently. I remember um, a conversation about how we define our roles in our community, what it is to be a man or a woman or how the relationship between community and, and family handled. Those are the kinds of conversations that have there. And I can't tell you of any other place in community that I've seen that kind of dog, kind of dialogue happening consistently in ways that result in transformative change. I tell you it's the one place you can go, and you might begin with, you know, <laughs> so tell me, what's just what, where are you at and what, what do you think the state of the community is? And walk away an hour and a half later with a five-point a five plan for transforming <laughs> economic development in our community. I don't know of any other place where those those types of discussions are happening. So when I am wondering what to do next or what my role is in this world or how I can um, lend myself to change, it's the one place I can go to uh, consistently and get refueled. I come there and I remember who I am, on whose shoulders I am standing, and what I've been called to do. And not only that, I get to link arms with other people that recognize the call and see the need that are committed to action as well. Wow. Uh, thank well, you. So wow. We can, we can end the show right now. Well, uh, okay. thank you, Dr. Tyler. That was um, uh, what I wanted to do was you all hear me and Angela talking about it, but I also wanted some other people who uh, attend the gathering and who witness the gathering because I believe that there should be gatherings throughout this country, and I'm sure that there are. And if there's not a place near you where you can gather together with other people of like minds, and it's okay if people have differences of opinion, uh, as long as when you leave, you leave with a handshake or a hug, uh, that's okay, because sometimes that expands us. But if you're not, Absolutely. and it's a place, 
where people can go to meet professionals. It's a place where people can go to meet just people from the community. It is a community place. Uh, the West Side Bistro is right there in the community for the community to take advantage of it, to have a place to eat, and also to train young people in the culinary arts, from bussing tables to uh, chefs. How to take an order from the hands that prepare the food uh, on every level, whether it's sous chef or someone that's working the grill. There are specific chefs for specific stations in a kitchen. And, you know, it's just an honor. That's my favorite part of uh, having the gathering at the bistro specifically. Uh, A lot of people have heard me say in other broadcasts that I come from two chefs. My husband is a former chef. He's now in technology. But my mom uh, had a fantastic career as as a chef. So I always have a uh, particular warm spot in my heart when I see individuals entering the culinary arts because it is a uh, a wonderful industry and so much to uh, lend to your community and lend to your your uh, peers when you are preparing food. It's the, it's the for real one international language we all speak. We all eat. We all love something uh, that's prepared uh, food-wise. So uh, it's always interesting to come to the the gathering at the West Side Bistro because every nationality, I think, has um, come to our table, taken our drink order, talked to us about what was on the buffet or on the menu. So it truly is an international experience and then you turn around and back that up with some of the most uh, scintillating and inspiring dialogue I've had an opportunity to take part in. It's kind of addictive. It's definitely a highlight on my week. Uh, No matter what kind of week I've had, I know I can come to that table and break bread with folks that will hear me out. And, And that's a rare thing in this world today. Well, Dr. Tyler, again, I know you were busy helping set up a, a brand-new house and get, got some oh, other cool. things going on. Uh, thank you for taking time to to chat with us today and to share, and we appreciate you all being a part of this uh, book drive initiative. It's, it's really a literacy initiative that is involved in uh, books, and that's uh, 10 books for 1,000 children. We had cities participate from as far away as Detroit, uh, Lakeland, Florida, uh, Minnesota, uh, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, with Brother Thomas Berry up there. If you all are in the sound of my voice, you can start this too. It really costs no money. It is a community endeavor, and we often have many agencies within our community that may not be used the fullest extent. Maybe this is something that they that they would love to participate in. Reach out to them. It's an opportunity for you to start. We had a multi-city event the last two years. Maybe we can turn it into a multi-city event again this year and reach even more children. Those children are looking for us, for leadership, for guidance. What a great way to lead by simply reading a book ourselves in their presence and then passing down that 
valuable book that was important to us to them. Dr. Tyler, do you have any parting words for us? Just to say thank you for all you're doing and continue to fight the good fight. We need you and are grateful for both of you. Well, thank you very much. We we appreciate that. And uh, thank you for calling in. Yeah. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you. And uh, on that note, we're running a little long, but we did have another segment of our show today on State of the Union Address, and that was the President's Initiative. I wanted to specifically talk about the President's Initiative for free two years of community college for anyone that qualifies. Angela, did you get a chance to hear the President's speech? I heard part of the President's speech, and I did hear that part uh, specifically. I think it's a a great initiative. It should be uh, something that can be bipartisan and something we can all wrap our arms around the young and the young at heart that just want to uh, further their education, if we strengthen that foundation, wow, how accomplished would this country be if everybody had at least an associate's degree? Well, what I thought about That was the standard. That's the standard. Wow. I thought about all of the people who are... (laughs) have been on, bless you, have been on the system for prolonged periods of time for jobs that may never come back to this country or it might take years for them to come back. Could you imagine what it would be like if those people could go to community college and study something like nursing or some other medical field, which we have uh, a severe shortage shortage of? Absolutely. Uh, and in two, a two-year nursing degree, those folks sometimes net six-figure income. Could you imagine being on the system for however long, getting a chance to go to community college, and then becoming a productive taxpayer, a homeowner that's also paying taxes? That's the engine that fuels this country. Yep. I think the president's initiative, the uh, the concept, and they need to work it out on how it's going to work. But I think in general, the the concept of it is something great. Now, I know we're going to have to pay for it, but I, I look at it this way. If you pay someone to be on unemployment, if you pay someone who is on the system, whether they're living off of the EBT card, uh, Section 8, they're, they're on the system. If they're on paying the system, for it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, we're paying for it. But we're going to pay for it possibly for the rest of their lives, and it tends to touch their children, and their children are often on the system here too. This is a great way to break that cycle of dependency on the system by providing those with an education. And, uh, you know, we, um, I thought of... I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Angie. I, I was just going to say, I also thought about um, the initiative in another context. Oftentimes we get these initiatives from various sides of the political spectrum, and we immediately go to the poor uh, and 
you know, them living off of us and, you know, we're paying for these initiatives one way or the other. But I also thought about uh, a young person like my grand, my like my grandchildren, my ten year old grandson, to be able to go and get an associate's degree, that being his standard, putting that in his mind at ten years old. He's someone who is thriving. My my little ten year old grandson, he's thriving. He's a student. Um, what a great initiative, what a great uh opportunity for him to you know, if that's the base, then he's automatically going to reach further up the education uh, spectrum. So if an associate's degree is the standard, like a high school degree is in our mind, um, then for him and his peers, a master's degree will be advanced education in their mind. And um, what a wonderful, you know, that made me smile even more because, that's putting in the young person's mind who, you know, is just getting their education is not, you know, any more a burden on society or the system per se uh, than a 10-year-old would be. Um, but if that's their level of uh, base and that's the buy-in right now, uh, that's – that's a wonderful place to start a conversation with young people about well, I, furthering themselves. I was sharing with uh, one of the groups that I belong to that here in Las Vegas, at our community college, uh, Community College of Southern Nevada, CSN, we have a high school college program. And that is you attend high school through the community college. And at the end of your four years of high school, you also come out with college credit and potentially can come out with an associate's degree. So just imagine if this became a prototype across the country. Across the country. To go to high school and at the end of their four years have We're not just celebrating a high school graduation. They're college educated at that point college educated and potentially with an associate's degree. Now that would be in their four years. And then with the president's two years of free college, free community college potentially, our community college is actually has four year degrees uh degree program. So that child could go think about this. That child could go to four years of high school, graduate with a high school diploma and an associate's degree then finish the second two, three years in a four-year program at the community college and have college completed two years sooner potentially than what would be normal and be debt-free in fields where we need them. That's a great engine to restart and refuel this economy by getting educated people into the workforce. Absolutely. Um, that was another uh, point of discussion with me and uh, my sister and another girlfriend, the level of college debt that we're currently uh, shackling young people with today. What an impact this initiative will have on 
correcting the course on that. They shouldn't have to be seventy, eighty thousand dollars, and sometimes worse, uh, in debt. To you know, how are you really going to be? You know, you that's a lot of hard work to get out of that level of debt, fresh out of school. That's a lot. So I. So I think that the president's initiative is a good start. It's something that we should push to see it come to fruition. Uh, Yes, there will need to be bugs. I think ultimately, though, it will cost money. I think it will save money and maybe even generate money uh, in the in In the long term, yeah, uh, for for this country. And it's a great also incentive. You know, there are many children who may think about college, but in reality they say, no, I, I know I can't afford to attend. Can't afford and it. And not to mention, if I do attend, I'll be in all of this debt by the time I'm done for a job that may not even exist. But if we can target this program for areas in which we need uh, work workers, we can eliminate that. And then when they graduate, they can go right into the to the workforce where needed, and these folks will be energized. It will, you know, when a child is focused on achieving, they tend to achieve. If they're focused on a potential dreary outcome and they're downcast, then their potential is muted. This is an opportunity to sort of release the shackles, break the shackles, and give them an opportunity to really expand and to achieve. So I, I I know our show ran long, but I did want to talk about that president's initiative. Oh, one more thing. Uh, did you all happen to hear when President Obama mentioned that he was not running for any more elections? I did see that. It was quite funny. Hear the applause that came from the Republicans, and then – the president's response to that applause. <laughs> and I won all of them. I was like, yeah, Chicago, stand up. And then did you happen to notice a picture of Joe Biden when this was said? Now, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that, that it was called, thug life. I didn't know that's what you call that particular face that he made. But it was a face <laughs> of champions. That's what it was. It was a, a face of support. It was a face of pride. And uh, I thought, my God, who would have ever thought 20 years ago that we would have an African-American president? And then who just the imagery of a white man as the vice president in the background looking triumphant with this black president that he's working for. I just thought the image about that said so much about how far we've come. But even though we've come far, there's still many challenges ahead of us. And we have to, as citizens, be ready to take those challenges on, continue to advance, and not allow any forces, any factors, to keep this forward momentum that we have to slow down, not to let them take us back, the them being whoever it is that would try to take us back. So our show today has been a uh, 
hopefully a show that you all have enjoyed. Hopefully it was a show that you learned something from. Hopefully you see how you have power, and it is the power of the people, as in with the statues, those tweets, those those texts, those emails, got an immediate response, and then having some black media that took the initiative to broaden the audience and then have those folks call in to, to respond, uh, have those folks sending emails and texts to their elected officials. You know, one of the things I said was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. statue in Las Vegas should be a tourist attraction. Uh, I don't come in down to see this thing because it's not in every city. Uh, so that's an initiative that we can push also. Uh, someone says, well, they won't do that because other than this corner, the rest of the area is blighted. Well, maybe this will be incentive to them to, not to be up that area yeah. that surrounds the statue. So there's a lot of things that can be done if we're willing to do it. The topic of our show today was the Las Vegas Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. statue damage, the book drive, uh, people power, and the State of the Union address free uh, college. Thank you all for listening to us, calling in and participating. Uh, I'll put some of the contact information for the statue on the Our Own Voices Facebook page. I'll also put it on the radio show page. Uh, please, let's continue to remind our elected officials of the importance of having this statue and pavilion area uh, fixed, refurbished. Uh, we want it to be the sparkling jewel that it was initially designed to be so that we can have tourists, and, and we want the community to come out and utilize this area a little bit more. Uh, let them know that this is something that's important to us. Uh, Andrew, did you have any closing words? Well, I just want to say happy anniversary to Gilbert Elementary School. I can't wait to see the production today. I am currently, you know, getting ready for my bunny quest, and I, I can't wait. I'm excited. And thank you for sharing that with us. That shows that the involvement of parents do make a difference in our children's lives. Parents, please be involved in your children's life, even in small ways, and be big to them. Our show today, once again, was Las Vegas, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Statue Damage, the Literacy uh, Initiative through the Book Drive, the Power of the People, I called it People Power, and also the President of the State of the Union Address, specifically uh, discussing the Community College Initiative for all who would qualify. Thank you so much for listening to us. We will be back next week at 1230 p.m. Saturday afternoon. Hope you all will join us. Please go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook. Leave your comments, and I will post there the contact information for those officials who can ensure that the statue is taken care of as it should be. Until next week, and I hope that you're all safe. Take some time to enjoy the beautiful weather for those of you out west and for those of you who are back east. I hope that you're not snowed in. God bless you all, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bless you.